Hi everybody, it's great to be with you uh, here again and we're continuing on in the book of Job. If you've been with us over the last uh, few weeks, you know that we've come to an end of the three speeches to the friends uh, and it seems like they went on endlessly and finally they've finished and suddenly uh, unannounced comes Elihu uh, who we'll be looking at today. Uh, so as we try to make sense of that, let's uh, pray and ask God uh, for his help. Uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word in the book of Job, that it is a book that we can wrestle with, uh, that's not easy to understand. But we pray today that you would help us to, to listen to your word uh, and that you will give us insight and understanding and show us how you would apply, to, apply it to our hearts. Uh, and we pray that that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I figure that uh, today we're going to do something a diff bit, bit different. I figure that you're probably sick of hearing my voice uh, because I've been uh, with you over the book of Job for a number of weeks now. So to do something different, I've actually got a, a guest, a special, special guest to come and speak to us uh, today. Uh, so let me just go and get him. Well, shalom, everybody. Uh, it's good to be with you today. Let me introduce myself. My name is Job from the land of Uz. Uh, you may have heard about me. I've been in the news lately. I, I, I'm, I'm actually pretty famous back home. I'd made a lot of money from livestock. Uh, the camel futures were particularly lucrative when there was a hump in the market. But then I lost everything. Uh, you've heard the story. The reason I'm here today is to tell you about a very strange encounter I had with the other day and to see if you can help me make sense of it. Now, I'm sure you've heard about my famous debate that's gone viral on the internet between Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar, uh, who were supposed to be my three closest friends. No sooner had they finally shut up and, and left me in peace and someone else appeared unannounced um, out of nowhere and started talking. Someone I'd never heard of. Uh, someone called Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzzite. Let me tell you today a bit about what he said and see if you can help me make sense of it. The first thing I noticed about Elihu was that he burned with anger. He, was an, he sounded like an angry gas bag. Then Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzzite of the family of Ram, burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. And when he looked, and when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, he burned with anger. He was an angry young man and he was a gas bag as well who didn't know how to shut up. He ended up talking more than any of the friends did. And that was quite a lot. He was one of these people that thought, why should I say something in 10 words when I can use 200? 
He was like a politician. He seemed to take half an hour to say nothing at all, justifying the fact that he opened his mouth. Listen to this. And shall I wait, he says, because they do not speak, because they stand there and answer no more. I also will answer with my share. I also will declare my opinion, for I am full of words. The spirit within me constrains me. Behold, my belly is like wine that has no vent, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak that I may find relief. I must open my lips and answer. It was just a pity that no, someone hadn't stuck a pin in that overblown balloon of hot air before he came to me. Now, I was just trying to make sense of what, what he was trying to say when he gave me just this glimmer of hope that maybe actually he was on my side. Maybe he would actually understand me because he, he said that he will listen to me. He would listen to what I said claim that he would be unbiased against me. He said, I will not show partiality to any man or flattery toward any person. He asked me to answer him because he said he wanted to get at the truth. He wanted to set your words in order before me to take your stand. Behold, I am toward God as you are, he said. I too was pinched off from a piece of clay. Behold, no fear of me need terrify you. My pressure will not be heavy on you. Surely you have spoken in my ears and I have heard the sound of your words. He even hinted at the idea that he might be a mediator for me between, in my case with God, that he might help me argue my case. He said, if there be for me, for him an angel, a mediator, one of the thousand to declare to a man what is right for him and he is merciful to him, he says, deliver him from going down to the pit i have found a ransom and again he asked me to respond to him because he wanted to help me he said if you have words answer me speak for i desire to justify you if not listen to me be silent and i will teach you wisdom but then he wouldn't shut up he, he wouldn't give me a chance to answer but even so even despite that i, I still get my hopes up here at last is someone who wants to get my side of the story, who wants to listen to me, who wants to judge fairly between me and my friends. But then suddenly he condemns me for questioning God's justice. He said, for Job has said I am in the right and God has taken away my right. In spite of my right, I am counted a liar. My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. What man is like Job, who says, who drinks up scoffing like water, who travels in company with evildoers and walks with the wicked with wicked men? For he has said it profits a, a man nothing that he should that he should take delight in God. Now Elihu wasn't listening very well because what I actually said was this. I actually said what is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we get if we pray to him? See, I was only asking the question because I couldn't understand what God was doing. I hadn't abandoned God. I, I wasn't rebelling against him. I hadn't given up on him, which was what Elihu seemed to be saying. And then things really started to go downhill. I felt like someone had rewound the tape of, of the same 
of the friend's argument and the, the same old tired old things about God punishing the wicked were coming out of his mouth. Things like, shall one who hates justice govern? Will you condemn him who is righteous and mighty? Who says, um, who shows no partiality? says to a king, worthless one, and to nobles, wicked man, who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. In a moment they die. At midnight the people are shaken and pass away, and the mighty are taken away by no human hand. For his eyes are on the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. There is no gloom or deep darkness where evildoers hide themselves, and he keeps going. For God, it's no need to consider a man further that he should go before God in judgment. He shatters the mighty without investigation and sets others in their place. Thus, knowing their works, he says, he overturns them in the night and they are crushed. He strikes them for their wickedness in a place for all to see. Now, does he think that I haven't heard this stuff before? Does he think that suddenly he brings some startling new revelation to the table that will cause me to say, Behold, I have seen the light. Thank you, Elihu, for that wonderful insight that I've never considered before. But instead he, he just keeps going and keeps on kicking a man, a broken man, when he's down. He said, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without insight. Would that Job were tried to the end because he answers like wicked men. For he adds rebellion to his sin, he claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. Turn from sin, Job, he kept saying. Seeing his lies, he thought that I was a wicked man. If the wicked men listen to serve him, he said, they complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. But if they do not listen, they perish by the sword and die without knowledge. But you are full of the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice seize you. There you have it again, parroting the old party line of retribution theology. I'm wicked and that's why I'm getting punished. But if I repent and, and, and am righteous, I'll get all of my blessing back. What rubbish. I don't know why he wasted his breath. Useless windbag. But even after that, he didn't shut up. No, he had to keep going and lecture me about what God's like. He went on about how God doesn't listen to sinful people. He said that God doesn't listen to the wicked and that's why he won't hear me. There they cry out, he says, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God does not hear an empty cry, nor does the Almighty regard it. How much less when you say that you do not see him, that the case is before him and you are waiting for him. So apparently God won't listen to my case in court. He says, teach us what we shall say to him. We cannot draw up our case because of darkness. Shall it be told him that I would speak? Did a man ever wish to be swallowed up? You're not telling me anything, Elihu. Do you think that I'm not afraid of being swallowed up by God? As he, if, he, if he actually meets with me and speaks with me? Then he finished his words with this. 
the Almighty, we cannot find him. He is great in power, justice and abundant righteousness he will not violate. Therefore men fear him, he does not regard any who are wise in their own deceit. Yeah, thanks for nothing, Elihu. Do you think that God doesn't feel distant to me? Hello, I can't find him either. But don't tell me it's because of my sin. I've had enough of this nonsense. But you know what? Yeah, it's true that I can't find God. He seems to be so distant. But I can't accept that Elihu's right. I can't accept that, that, that he won't hear me. I keep clinging to a belief that God will hear me and that he will answer me without crushing me. Well, Elihu also kept banging on about something else. He kept lecturing me on about how God is great. Behold, God is great, he said, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. And then he goes on to give me a geography lesson. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of the pavilion? Behold, he scatters his lightning about him and covers the roots of the sea. For by these things he judges peoples, he gives food in abundance. He covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. Its crashing declares his presence. The cattle also declare that he rises. For some reason he seems feels the need to remind me how terrifying God's voice is and how fearsome thunder and lightning are. After his voice roars, he thunders with his majestic voice and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. And then God keeps terrorizing the world with the elements. From its chamber comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds. By the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen fast. For some reason, Elihu insisted on telling me that God is in control. Oh, that's something I hadn't thought of, Elihu. Why, do, why does he think it's, I've, I'd been going on and on about how God had destroyed my life? Of course I know it's his doing. Of course I know he's in control. And does he think that I hadn't realised that he's powerful? Am I not shaking in my boots? at the prospect of him appearing before me and crushing me? Well, let me have one last whinge. I think perhaps the thing that got to me the most about Elihu was how arrogant and sure of himself he was. Yeah, he thinks God is great, but he thinks that Elihu is pretty good as well. He claimed that he got some sort of divine revelation from God. I will get my knowledge from afar, he said. And then, for truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. I don't know if that was a slip of the tongue, but later on he said exactly the same thing about God. Do you know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous work of him who is perfect in knowledge? What's he saying here? Is he saying that he is like God? That he knows as much as God? You know what? I reckon I might just have the last laugh. Elihu was aiming at me.
with those words when he said when he said his last words therefore men fear him he does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit he was saying that directing that at me but i reckon it might just be a prophecy of how god won't regard elihu i reckon he will completely ignore him but answer me so now he's finally shut up and disappeared and and i'm left here scratching my head trying to make sense of what it was that elihu was on about what possible reason could he have had for gas bagging on for all that time well i really don't know but i'll tell you this for nothing it's made me realize more and more that no human can come up with an answer for my problems more than ever i need to hear from god i need him to come and answer me even if he does crush me in a whirlwind my friends showed that human wisdom was useless and now elihu has showed me that someone who claims to know the voice of god someone who claims to be a prophet of some kind who has some inside knowledge of who god is well he's just as bad he reminds me of some people back at my home church um, the extremely sound doctrine church of Uz. people who think that they know all the answers and then confidently jump to conclusions maybe you know people like that people who might pride themselves in knowing the bible having the right theology being evangelical and think that someone who thinks differently to themselves well they're just wrong people who see things as being very black and white who condemn others without seeing the log in their own eye people who create a kind of christian cancel culture but you know what I wonder if there's another reason why Elihu came. I just wonder if God actually sent him with his hot air and all his bluster so that when God finally does appear in a whirlwind with real answers, it'll be so different to the drivel that we've heard from Elihu rather than the re old old rehash of retribution theology i got from elihu and the friends i'll get real answers from god oh that god would do that that he would show himself to me because the more i think about it the more i'm convinced that elihu's god is all power and no relationship of course it's true that god doesn't put up with the wicked and that he will judge evil but does that mean that the only thing to see in nature is thunder and lightning that leave me in a cold sweat because it just reminds me of god god's judgment and does it mean that because us human beings are sinful that god will never answer us or show himself to us if that's true then what hope is there for any of us 
I know I'm innocent, but a lie who condemns me and says there's no hope for me unless I repent of some imagined sin. But what about those of us who know that we are sinners? Even for the Christians who are only too aware of our sin. And what about those of us who, who may not yet be Christians, who are looking for God but are still searching, still on a journey, who may know something about Jesus but, but are still investigating what it all means? You see, if Elihu's view of God is true, then how do you get to relate to God? How do any of us get to relate to God? What hope is there for us? Well, there is hope. And I know that Elihu is wrong about God because God has given me an insight that he will send his own son to take on flesh and come to earth to come down to us. In John chapter 1, verse 11, it says, He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Elihu was wrong. God didn't just ignore sinners and close off his ears to us and stay a million miles way up there from us. Because Jesus, God's own son, came down to us even while we were still sinners. Even when we didn't welcome him or receive him. Even while we turned our backs on him. God made the first move. And you know what? He didn't crush us in a whirlwind. He isn't like some immovable statue in heaven that ignores the cries of fallen human beings. He had compassion on us and sent him, his own son, to become one of us. And he did that so that he could become our father. So that we could be welcomed into his family. Verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And Jesus went on to show how great God's love and compassion are by paying for our sin with his own life on the cross. And that, friends, gives us hope. And so today, maybe you're Maybe there are some of you who feel a little bit like I do, a little bit like Job. Maybe you're weighed down by burdens or grief or worry, concern about the future, your job, your family, uni, trying to negotiate classes back on Zoom or anxiety about going back to work face to face. Maybe it's a sense of loss, the things that, that you've lost during this pandemic not being able to go wherever you want, whenever you want, to meet up with your friends uh, without worrying about it. Or maybe it's just a vague sense of unease during this time of, of extreme tumult and uncertainty, not knowing what the future will bring. When I lost everything, I felt like I'd lost God. Maybe you feel a bit the same. Like God has taken his protective away, sorry, his protective hand away from you, and now he seems so distant, like he's hiding himself. But he isn't a God who hides himself. 
No, he is a God who took the initiative when we're at this very point that we've turned our backs on him to come down to us, to take on flesh, to live and to die for us. He is a God who longs for a relationship with human beings whom he created. He is a God who calls himself Father and we are his children. And because of that, friends, we can have hope. Well, we've got some questions that uh, are up on the screen now that you may want to discuss uh, in your CGs. Um, or please feel free to discuss any other questions or thoughts about Elihu. Uh, perhaps you disagree with my conclusion about Elihu. That's fine. Uh, I'd love you to wrestle with the text and to wrestle with what God is saying to you uh, through his word today. Well, may God bless you uh, as you do that.